Welcome to the Avenue Community Church's podcast. We are a family of Christ followers seeking shalom in Memphis. We pray that you are encouraged by today's message. And as you listen, may the word of God shape you to be more like him. Today, we're going to talk about Jesus. What if you had the full overview of what you were trying to figure out? Most times when we hear the question, who is Jesus? We go everywhere except to the source. Just like you guys did with the puzzle and then asked for the boxes, which were sitting right here in plain sight the entire time. You literally just started doing it on your own, which we all do. When we're posed with the question, who is Jesus? We look inward instead of to scripture, which tells us exactly who Jesus is. Tonight is not about you figuring out more head knowledge or holding to some words that we just quote out loud. Today is an opportunity for us to do what my 1938 grandma encourages me to do all the time, and that is to never graduate from asking yourself, who is Jesus? Because it is a lifelong course. You will forever be intrigued and ask yourself, who is Jesus? When I was about 16 or 17, I told y'all I'm a preacher's kid. Um, I grew up in a black Baptist church. We have Bible study on Wednesday nights, and if it ain't no childcare, you sit in there with the grown people and you are seen and not heard. Well, when I was 16 or 17, I had a boyfriend, um, and we was at church and we was arguing, but did nobody know we was arguing because, you know, preacher's kids, we're innovative. Um, we had a notebook that we would write out what we had to say and pass it, and then write out what we had to say and pass it. Consciously, I was focused on that argument. Unconsciously, my mind and my heart heard what my uncle was teaching each week. Each week, he was going through the book of Hebrews. And one phrase always stood out, and it's a phrase that I probably continuously seek for the rest of my life. Jesus is the all-sufficient Savior. So tonight, we're going to take a look at what it means for Christ to be the all-sufficient Savior. I have seven questions for us to explore together. I'll give you all some scripture context and we work it out together. But the first question is, who is Jesus? The name Jesus, Joshua, Yeshua, means the God who saves. Christ is not his last name, which Black, Black Twitter has deemed. His name is Jesus Devontae Christ. But, yes, yes, go on Twitter. But his last name is not his last name. Jesus Christ, Christ is his, his identity. It identifies who he is and what he has come to do. Christ means Messiah. Jesus Christ, the God who saves, who is the Messiah. So the first thing we need to know about who is Jesus is that Jesus is God. Skip, I'm going to ask you to be my computer person over there because I, I ain't fancy like George was last week. I don't have no clicker. Um, but Jesus is God. There was no way us as mere humans could have atoned to a holy God for our sins. So God sent himself in flesh to be our atonement. Jesus is God. He is the only explanation and his deity is the only explanation for what he is and what he has been and did for us in scripture. We can see in John 1, 2 and 3. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him, not anything that was made 
was made. Jesus is also the son of God. We see that in scriptures, his enemies even admitted he said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. John 5:18. Peter confessed and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. So this question is one of the most controversial questions in the world, in history, in today. And so ask yourself at your tables, I'm gonna give y'all five minutes, not three minutes. Hopefully it ain't as stressful <laughs> as the puzzle. But when you hear the question, who is Jesus? What's the first word? What's the first phrase? What's the first experience that comes to your mind? Ready, break. The human aspect. So we know that Jesus is God, but Jesus is also fully man. He is fully being Jesus Christ became man for the weight of our sins because Skip got it. My bad. I don't got that. I don't got the fancy clicker. Like No, you don't gotta click it next. You don't gotta click it next. We still on who is Jesus. You good. My bad. You made him get up. Uh Jesus became man and the word was made flesh and dwelled among us, full of grace and truth. John 1 14 his miraculous birth was prophesied 800 years before his coming behold a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel the prophecy was fulfilled to the letter fear not Mary for thou hast found favor with God and behold thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus recently at work we studied Romans 12 therefore because of everything that happened before romans 12 present your bodies as a living sacrifice that that phrase i heard it over and over growing up even since becoming a christian we've heard present yourselves as a living sacrifice and that sacrifice and as i began studying for this it hit me that because christ became fully man he was the example of what it meant for us to be a living sacrifice. What it meant for us to die to our own will, to our own pride, to our own ways and wants, and to, to submit to that of his heavenly father. To truly be on mission for a mission um, with a purpose to not glorify himself, but to bring glory and honor to God the Father. Jesus demonstrated human characteristics. He became tired, he ate food, he showed feelings, he wept for Lazarus when Lazarus died. He even got a little upset with Peter. He was like, get behind me, say, like, you know what I'm saying? Um, he knew temptations. Um, it's, just, it's just beautiful to imagine Jesus right before the cross in the garden. Um, blood is coming from his face, he is sweating, um, and he's literally saying, God, take this cup from me. So in your depression, in your anxiety, in your fears, in all of those things, Jesus, the all-sufficient Savior, knows it because he, in his humanity, has experienced it, and Scripture continuously shows us and tells us that. Um, and he died. I work with kids all the time. I never forget when COVID hit, um, we would test kids every 10 days at our site because we were a virtual learning site. 
And one of our high school boys got COVID. And the first thing he did was look me dead in my eyes because I had to tell him he had it. And he said, Coach, I'm going to die. I said, no, baby, you ain't going to die. You're going to be tired for a little while, but you're not going to die. As humans, even those of us that are in Christ, death is a fear. Christ faced all the fears that we will ever have in his humanity, won victory over them, proved to us that he conquered it all and proved to us that in him we can have that same victory. Um, And so Jesus was not only fully God, but he was also fully man. Next question. My bad, Skip. Now you got to (laughs) run. Yeah, he my PowerPoint guy. Cause George had a, a fancy clicker, iPad. You know, I'm a little, you know, I'm a little broke. I ain't got all that. <laughs> That's my man computer. It worked. Um, the next question. Now that we know that Jesus was fully God, fully man, he felt the weight of sin, death, burial. What slash where is Jesus's impact because of those things? What slash where? is Jesus's impact because of those things. Because he's fully God, because he's fully man, he has an impact. Where have you seen, is seen, possibly will see the impact of the two colliding? Give you five minutes. All right, cool. I'll go first to soften it for everybody. So what slash where do we see Jesus's impact? One of the first places we can all honestly say that we don't think about Jesus has an impact on his culture. In this Western world, Jesus, it's argumentative, has started all the fights on this <laughs> continent. People who have pledged their allegiance to Jesus have said, you're not doing it right, so let's start a war. I know what the Bible, quote unquote, says. I dictate to what you know of scripture. So now let's start a war from the Roman era to the world wars to the civil wars. Many people were believing I'm fighting for Christ. Culturally, Christ has a big impact. I was telling this table, um, I get the opportunity to be in a lot of spaces, Um, Christian spaces, sorority spaces, black spaces, white spaces, all the spaces. Um, In some spaces, um, culturally, Jesus is reverence. With some of my sorority sisters, he's just a sky daddy. They don't respect him. They don't honor him. Nothing. That's that's how they they uh, mention him or reference him. But his impact is equated to the behavior of the church, not exactly to who he is. And so the impact for them is different culturally. Jesus, uh huh. Their perception of his impact is based on the churches our brokenness is broken people's behavior and so that's how they correlate what Jesus's impact is um another impact that Jesus has he has an impact on people for us who have been saved by grace through faith his impact on us is a daily sanctification and a denial of ourselves and a submission to his will and to his way for some of my sorority sisters his impact on them is he's a bunch of rules. He's a bunch of regulations. I don't want to have anything to do with it. Um, if you follow me on social sites, I posed a question this morning. Who is Jesus? And unbeknownst to me, one of my ma'am students answered. Um, and she said, I used to think Jesus was a lot of rules. But what I'm realizing is he's all I need. And it was because she had to figure out the impact of Christ for herself and meet him for herself. And so Jesus has an impact on people, culture, 
But for a lot of us, Jesus has an impact eternally. Um, because he died, because he was buried, because he was bruised for our iniquities, eternally we have gained his righteousness, his honor, and his glory, and we get to be hail the glory of God because of Christ. And so he has a cultural impact, he has an impact on people, and he has an eternal impact. I know I missed some, that's why I let y'all talk. So anybody want to share? So when we ask the question as to why, when we encounter a personal impact with Christ, um, it makes us even more curious as to who Jesus is. And Lisa, skip, I'm not going to the PowerPoint yet. He touched it. <laughs> um, but that personal impact is extremely important. Like I said, I grew up in the Black Baptist Church and you hear all the time, it's a personal relationship, it's a personal relationship, but then it becomes a behavioral thing because one of the, one of the funny parts about my testimony, um, my uncle started preaching in 2005. Um, he became a pastor in 2005. Um, the Sunday after he became a pastor, he started, well, he started pastoring in 2005. He started oh, preaching I'm before. Saying, he started preaching every pastor no, 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 no. Um, but the Sunday after, the Sunday after he was, I don't know what the Baptist term is, ordained as pastor at the church, um, my grandma was like, hey, let's go down and join the church. I was like, cool, I'm just joining the church. I was not baptized at the time. My slogan at the time was, I'm gonna do my dirt first, and then I'm gonna become a Christian, because all that perfection ain't for me. Well, walk down, the lady said, we got two candidates for baptism. Me and my little cousin was both sitting there, and we both <laughs> looking around like, who the candidates? <laughs> I said I believe in Jesus, but it was us. Um, and only thing we could focus on was the face of my uncle. Um, his son and quote unquote, I'm his only daughter, were now saying we believe in Jesus Christ. And he was just so ecstatic. And we both knew, okay, now we gotta act apart. So next Sunday come, we got baptized. You couldn't tell me I wasn't going to hell because my water was hot and everybody else's water was cold. So I was just like, oh, Jesus, no. Jesus, no, I'm not for real. He know it. Um, but after that, I knew I had an obligation to Jesus. I did not have a personal relationship with Jesus. I had an obligational relationship with Jesus. So I acted the part. I knew how to pray. I learned how to teach. I learned how to be all the things that I needed to be. But every Sunday I sat on that second row I knew innately, I do not believe in who they're preaching about. I could not fathom the notion that somebody died on the cross 2,000 years ago cares about a little black girl in Greenville, Mississippi. It don't work like that. Um, until I had a personal encounter with Christ and he fixed my soul, not just my heart and my behavior, but he attached himself to my soul and covered me and my life radically changed. Did it change overnight? Nope. Every day I'm being sanctified day by day by day. But that personal peace is important because the day I became saved, I can vividly remember my uncle crying. Jesus is the peace that surpasses all understanding. And I just knew I needed that peace and I wanted that peace. And it became personal instead of obligational. And so Jesus is a personal, relational savior. He is the all sufficiency in what we need. His impact is not just culturally, it's not just on people around us as Christians, it's not just eternally something that's coming in the future. It is a daily personal impact that we have to challenge ourselves to not take for granted and see that. So what, does, what does that process look like 
of still showing them this Jesus that they're claiming to be believing it, even though we know there might not be fruit, and even the fruit it feels a little fraudulent. Yeah. Like so, what does that look like to, or what did maybe what did that look like for you for the folks walking alongside you while you're fake jaking until the Lord encountered you? Um, I think they knew, and they knew me enough to knew how to know how to get me to the point where I only saw Jesus, if that made sense. I had a mentor, her name is Dr. Kishka Kamarina Hall. You have to call her Dr. Kishka Kamarina Hall. Um, she was my professor. I went to a junior college. A lot of people don't know this. I went to a junior college. I had a choir scholarship. I'm not singing in the worship. I can't do that. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I had a choir scholarship um, and she met me in a public speaking class. And from that day on, she just intentionally always encountered me. She made it her mission she knew who I was, she knew where I was from, but she just made it her mission to encounter me. Um, and when I left uh, Cajoma, I was there for two years, I did not go to class, I almost flunked out my first year. And she asked me, what you gonna do? You ain't graduated, what you gonna do? I said, I don't know. She was like, well, if I get you into Mississippi Valley State, will you go? I said, sure. She got me into Valley. Uh, I went to Valley and I turned up. The preacher kid was no longer the preacher's kid. Nobody there knew that I was a preacher's kid. So I got to be exactly who I wanted to be. Um, I'll never forget it. When I graduated from Valley, she called me and she said, so what you wanna do with your life? I said, I wanna do radio and television production. She said, well, if I get you into Arkansas State, will you go? I said, yeah, sure. I knew I couldn't get into Arkansas State cause you gotta have like a 3.0 to get into graduate school. I had a 2.2. So I knew I couldn't get into Arkansas State. Um, but I got in off of her letter of recommendation. The director of the grad school called me and told me, hey, I didn't look at your transcript. I didn't look at nothing. I just read her letter of recommendation and you got in. Um, I wasn't gonna go. I was not going. I was living at home with my mama. I was fine. Um, and I, have, I used to have really bad headaches um, and I worked for my aunt's daycare. And one particular Wednesday, I was at work. I had a really bad headache. So she took me home and I went to sleep from like 12 to like two in the morning. Well, while I was asleep, unbeknownst to me, I live with my mom. We stay in a one-way in, one-way out uh, apartment complex. My mama, she hood, um, she love the hood, she love the kids. My mama is one of the people where if she say something, everybody listen. Unbeknownst to me, it was a gang issue in the apartment complex and she broke it up. She said, hey, y'all go home. And everybody went home. Well, that night, um, the gangs that got into it, they got back into it. Um, and my bedroom and the bedroom that I shared a window to, um, a wall to, they shot in it. Um, they were looking for my brother and they were looking for the guy next door. Um, and my mama walked in, I had just cut the TV off because it was making my head hurt worse. My mom walked in, she was like, you all right? I was like, yeah, it was sparks in my room. She was like, oh yeah, that's gunshots. She grew up in the hood, it didn't phase her. I said, yeah, they came in my room. And we cut the lights on. The TV I had just cut off was shot up. My uh, closet was shot up. The lady next door, she went to check on her kids. She was shot and killed. And so that was my cue to say, oh, she got me in Arkansas State, I'm going. Um, and so I left. But when I got to Arkansas, everything that I had ever lived for back at home that I placed my identity in, I didn't have it anymore. Couldn't be a preacher's kid, couldn't be a sorority girl. Nobody knew me. I didn't have friends, I didn't have family. The mentors that I had really stopped texting me. My friends stopped texting me. I had a boyfriend, but he was in Chicago. And I had a mentor, she called me and she said, hey, I was talking to my high school girls and I told them if they wanna be like anybody else, they need to be like Joanna. And I was like, Joanna don't even know who she is. How you gonna tell a group of kids to be like Joanna? Um, and so everything that I ever looked to as God was gone. 
except this boyfriend. He was around, you know, he would pull up to my apartment, he would buy my groceries, he paid all my bills. I was ecstatic. But my top rule, the Lord ain't fixed me with this yet, don't cheat on me. If you do anything, don't cheat on me. And he cheated and he felt the weight of it and called it and told me. We were in a long distance relationship. I would have never found out. And I was just sad and depressed and my soul ached. Alcohol was my comfort. It wasn't fixing my soul ache. Radio and television wasn't fixing my soul ache. I got to work for ESPN. Everything that my identity in broke me instead of healed me. And the words that my uncle said, Jesus is the peace that surpasses all understanding, hit me. And I was like, Jesus, I need you to be the peace that surpasses my all understanding. Um, and literally the next day I woke up, I didn't have a joy up here. I had a joy in my heart that I couldn't explain. Um, I wanted to read scripture before then. I just reading it because my auntie told me I had to. But now like I'm reading the King James Bible and I get it. Like I realized the scales were removed and I started doing what Jesus wanted me to do instead of what I wanted to do, if that made sense. Um, and particularly now with the students that I get to work with is transparency. Um, a lot of Christians aren't transparent with their struggles. They see the perfectionism of Christianity. They don't see the neediness of Christianity, if that makes sense. And so my kids know I struggle with anxiety. My kids know I struggle with depression. My kids know I struggle with my finances, but they know that at the core of it, man, I got to run to Jesus and not the world. Um, and so they get to see, oh, Coach Juana used to fake it until she made it. But now that she's made it, she can't even go back to faking it anymore because her dependence on Christ is so much more value, valuable than her image to people around her. Because that was my goal back in the game. So I hope that made sense. <laughs> I, hope, I hope that made sense. What does Jesus say about himself? Um, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Jesus said, I am the door. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. I am the vine. I don't know if y'all on TikTok, but I'm on TikTok. That's one of my problems when I get... When I start studying, I'd be like, let me go to TikTok. But my TikTok is full of Bible stuff. But every couple of weeks, you know, every couple of weeks, this TikTok resurfaced of this white guy who tried to logically explain Christ away. And what it did was made him fall more in love with Jesus. He went to all the other religions and all the other religions were saying who Jesus is, this who Jesus is, this who Jesus is, this who he not, this who he not. But when he got to Christianity and, and saw what Jesus said about himself, Jesus didn't mention nobody else but him. Jesus kept the focus on himself because he wants us to keep our focus on him, our gaze on him. Um, because when we veer off, we start seeing our failures, our flaws. Personally, for me, I start seeing what the world doing and I'm like, dang, I could be out there making that same amount of money. I could have been had a husband and some kids and I was out, you know. We start seeing everything but the right thing. And so the next question is, it says, what does Jesus say about himself? But in light of knowing some of the things and some of the qualities that Jesus says about himself for us who are saved by grace in him, what does that mean about you? So because of what Jesus says about himself, I am the bread of life. That, that means he's the bread of life for you. Because Jesus says, I am the light of the world. That means when you walk through that valley of shadow of death, he is the lamp that helps you get to the next step. When he says, I am the door, the only way you can get to God is to go through his door. Um, I was part of campus outreach 
and they all they always just use this story like imagine if you go into a party and you get to the bouncer and the bouncer be like your name ain't on the list and jesus is the bouncer and the party is heaven and you can't get in they used to do that it was it was like we used to use that all the time <laughs> we used to use it all the time <laughs> jesus the bouncer Every, when I, every time I see that scripture, I always go back to that illustration because I'm like, that's what they was trying to say. But Jesus is that door. He ain't the bouncer, but he is the only way for you to get to heaven. He is the good shepherd. Um, there are some shepherds out here that are only leading you in order for their benefit. Christ is leading you for your benefit. In all actuality, yes, a lot of people deem, oh, he's just a bunch of rules and regulations. But when we look at these things, these are promises. This is the fence so you can't get out and get into trouble. I'm clumsy. If I get out the fence, I'm going to fall. I got two concussions in six months. I need the fence. I need it. I need it. Jesus is the good shepherd. He leads us to good water, not bad water, toxic water. I am the resurrection. We need the resurrection. We need it. We need the life. Um, I am the way, the truth, the light. I'm a millennial. I get to hang out with Gen Zers. Um, and I'm black. So, you know, spirituality, all that good stuff, voodoo, hoodoo. I had one of my friends that's into spirituality. He said, you know, you're a witch, right? I said, no. Nah. <laughs> I don't know. He was like, but you can gather people. You can persuade people. I said, that ain't me. That's Jesus, the way, the truth, and the light. Um, and so... In light of who Jesus is and what he says about himself, what does that say for all of us that are in him, in himself? So what does scripture say about Jesus? Um, there is controversy about what type of Christian are you? Are you an Old Testament Christian? Are you a New Testament Christian? I'm all the Testament Christians. I need, I need them all because what the Old Testament does is it anticipates the coming of Jesus Christ, um, what the four gospel does, it makes Christ known. You know, his birth, his ministry, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. What Acts does is it proclaims the gospel and Jesus' life and death to the ends of the earth. If it wasn't for Acts, Jesus wouldn't have got to America. Um, what Romans through Jude does is it expounds it and it explains it. It goes a little bit more in depth. I love movies. I rewatch stuff for comfort. Like I done watch NCIS like 5,100 times. Love it, love it. But one, 5,100 times. But one of my favorite things to do is if I'm watching a new movie, I try to guess what's gonna happen next. You and my grandmother. I try to predict the storyline. I I love to predict the storyline. We don't never have to predict the storyline when it comes to what or who Jesus is. The storyline is right here. It, it, it's planned out from the beginning of time to when time will end. It tells us all. Acts, um, Romans through Drew explains it. And then Revelations, fun fact about Revelations, I ain't never read the whole Revelations because um, who was that? Farrakhan scared me when I was eight. Um, back in the day, BET used to let Farrakhan preach at two o'clock in the morning. And I yeah, I left my TV. I left my TV on when I fell asleep, and I woke up out my sleep. And all Farrakhan was saying was, "Jesus coming back with a sword on a horse, and he killing everybody." And he was preaching from Revelations, and I just ain't never. I'm traumatized, but I'm gonna read it one day. I'm gonna read it one day. <laughs> I'm gonna read it one day. But Revelations is not um, 
quote unquote a scary thing. It's a glorious place. Um, the more I know Jesus, the more I understand the glory in Revelations. Revelations proves to me that one day I will get to see the glory of Jesus Christ. I will get to understand what my 1938 grandmother is clinging to after she has seen the entire America until today. That Jesus, her Lord and Savior, who she's experienced by um, experienced scripture as well as learning from a pastor, that he is the one that she has held on to all of her 86 years of life. That's what Revelations proves to me. It helps me understand when she tells me, baby, you ain't seen nothing yet. Um, it gives more weight to the to the hymn, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. The hymnist that wrote that was grieving, but yet she still clinged to the hope that Jesus is sweeter than my grief. And that's what Revelations gives us. So I know a lot of us in here knows scripture. And so from the scripture that you cling so closely to, what does those scriptures say about Jesus? So the next the next three questions kind of tie into what Renata was saying. Um, really reverencing Christ for who he is. But I wouldn't know Christ for who he is if I had not experienced him for what he's done. Kind of like what PT said. Um, I started seminary during COVID and I reached out to a lot of different people. And I was like, you got some advice? Like, I'm going to start seminary. Fun fact, I got dyslexia. It's hard for me to learn. So I'm trying to get all the secrets. I'm trying to get a cheat code. And I had one mentor and she just texts back, experience Jesus afresh. Sit under the scriptures and experience Jesus afresh. Mm -hmm. And I went into seminary with that thought process. And I truly got to experience Jesus for who he was parallel to what he was doing for me. Um, and it kind of set the stage for the trajectory of the next three years. Um, I've said this in Discipleship Hour, Skip has heard it a couple of times, but last year was extremely rough. Um, it was a hard, dark space. Um, I've talked to PT about it, but even though he knew it, he was like, hey, I want you to teach Discipleship Hour. Black church, you tell people at the black church you're going through some mental issues, they sit you down. <laughs> go pray it away, go, wow. si go sit down, go sit at the back. But it was confusing to me that even though you knew what I was facing, you still trusted me to teach the word of scripture. I had to sit under Christ in order to offer Christ and I had to experience Christ to truly give Christ. And I had to see who Jesus was in spite of what I was going through. I had to understand that he was the way, the truth and the light in my darkness. I had to understand that I had to have a response. I had to know who he is and the last question if you could go to it i had to ask myself is he worthy enough to be saved by to be sustained by to be shared and proclaimed and to surrender all that i was and all that i knew to be and so the last three questions are kind of like heat checks i told you i love basketball love basketball if you watch a, ba a WNBA basketball game with me, I'm gonna give you some facts that you didn't ask for. <laughs> Through the entire game. I mean, personal facts about the players. I know it. Um, if Theo was in here, she'll be egg-banging me. Um, yesterday, was, yesterday was really controversial in WNBA world. The MVP was announced, and somebody got the MVP that we all don't think deserve the MVP. Stewie got the MVP in New York. We perceived Asia Wilson from the Aces got the MVP. So they all played last night. 
at Asia Wilson gave the world a heat check, is what we call in basketball. She scored 32 points in 28 minutes, had 10 blocks, um, and she killed it. Christ has killed sin for us. Um, these questions is a heat check. Um, what, who do you say he is in light of what he's done? What is your response to who Jesus is? And is he worthy to be that I am? They were talking a few minutes ago, Carl pointed out that I am the way, the truth, and the light is the answer to the question, what is Jesus's impact in all areas of our life? And so, is he worthy to be that I am? Which God told us in the Old Testament he was, which Christ proved to us in the New Testament that he was, and he continues to prove to us in the present that he is and that he will be. And so what I will ask you to do for the next 10, five minutes maybe, is to really think, you don't gotta talk about it if you don't want to, you don't gotta share, it's up to you, on the questions, who do I say Jesus is? Um, what is my response to who Jesus really is? Because fake it till you make it, Joanna's response was, let me work my way to righteousness. Joanna to now is let me sit down and be still and rest in his righteousness. That's my response. Um, and then hit yourself with, is he worthy to be everything that he has told you he already is? And do you believe it? I don't, for a long time, I didn't believe that Jesus could be my pleasure, my boyfriend, all that good stuff. Because I'm single. I've been single since I came to know Jesus. It's rough out here in these streets. Um, <laughs> it's rough out here in these streets. <laughs> um, but what I've learned in Jesus and just in this singleness context and just being intentional with it, that it's the best place that Christ has for me right now in this moment. And it's not a burden. It's a gift. And he is worthy to hold all of me, to have my singleness. If I get married, if I have kids, he is worthy enough to have it all. And I can give it all to him. I ain't never think I can give him my relationships. He can have all of me, but just not my relationships. Nah, he's worthy enough for me to be saved by, for me to be led by, um, and for me to surrender to. So just think about who do you say he is? What is your response to who he is? And is he worthy enough to be. Yeah, like 10 minutes, then I'm pressed out. But the goal of tonight and the rest of the Wednesdays um, is not to just lay on a lot of theology, a lot of scripture, but to spark a curiosity that will cause our hearts, our minds, and our souls to continuously investigate theology, God, Jesus, sin, salvation, and holiness for ourselves. Um, and to even have conversations with people because we all do have those blind spots. Um, one of the things that really opened my eyes this season of life um, to what Christ was doing and to be grateful, um, I lost a best friend in July. Um, she passed away in a car accident, drunk driver. Um, but during my season last year, um, she wasn't a outward Christian, she was a private Christian. Um, and we would talk on the phone and she knew what I was going through and she would always tell me, man, you wanna stand on your verse? And I'd be like, how you know I got a verse? Like, we don't even talk about Jesus like that. Um, and my favorite verse is Jude 24:25. Um, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless in his presence, um, in his glory, without blemish, with great joy, 
is the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That peace through Jesus Christ, our Lord, really sat with me after her death. I wanted to cry and weep, but I knew she knew Jesus for herself. She had built a personal relationship with him. She trusted the scriptures um, and she responded to what Jesus was calling her heart to, not to what the world wanted her to be. Um, and so tonight wasn't to just give you a lot of scriptures and words, but to spark a curiosity in your heart so that you can forever experience Jesus afresh, to be curious about who Jesus is, and to rest in the notion that Jesus will and can present you blameless with great joy before God. I'm going to pray for us and then we can leave.